night. You are now tuned into another episode of Champagne Problems, a podcast for the righteous and ratchet, bridging the gap between pop culture and self-help. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe, rate, comment, and share this podcast if you like what you hear. Also follow us on our Instagram page at Champagne Problems. Now pop your bottle and grab your glass. Champagne Problems starts now. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Champagne Problems. I am your host, Nico. Thank y'all so much for uh, tuning in. I'm sorry I'm a little late this week. I mean, I'm just a day late, but um, this week, this past week rather, <clears throat> was a normal week, but um, I kind of came down with a cold this weekend. And yesterday, Sunday, the day that I always record, I took some cough syrup because I always fight and taking medicine. I finally took some cough syrup Sunday about five o'clock, and no lie, no later than six, I was, I was down. <laughs> so I slept until about nine o'clock. Then I woke up, literally turned my lights off and stuff, and went back to bed. So I am so sorry, but. I'm back. I'm a little better, so forgive me if I sound a little nasally. Um, and also, if you hear me smacking, because I got a cough drop in my mouth. And forgive me if I may cough throughout this entire episode. Don't hold it against me. But um, anyway, this week's episode is going to be titled Why You Talk White. This episode is for all the Oreos out there. Y'all know who y'all are. Ones that y'all wear proud and the ones that don't. We're getting ready to talk about all of that. So, I'm excited about this topic because it's a topic that I am uh, very well educated on. So, this ought to be a pretty interesting show. Uh, but before we get into that, y'all know I gotta do my shameless plugs. Make sure y'all follow us on Instagram, Champagne Problems. Please make sure you know how to spell champagne. It's C H A M P A G N E. Champagne. At Champagne Problems. Also, if you wanna follow my personal page, it's official underscore Nico. Nico is spelled N I C H O. Won't hold that against you. If you don't know how to spell that. Um, but yeah, let's, let's not waste any more time. Let's get into it. Child is so good. Talk to grown folks. Give me some dish. Give me some dirt. What's the lowdown on the down low? All right. So... On this week's Kitchen Table Talk, we are talking about a a particular story that came across my timeline that just, I don't know, it made me giggle, it made me roll my eyes, and it made me slightly upset. It just gave me a, a, a range of emotions. But what I'm talking about is... A story, um, oh lord, and I, this hurts my throat to even say, a story that uh, Fox News ran, oh lord, um, y'all know how I feel about Fox News, aka fake news, uh, yeah, shots fired already, only 55 seconds in, um, but anyway, so they ran a story, there is a country singer, by the name of Kane Brown. Now, I don't know who Kane Brown is, but I also don't listen to country music, so there's that. Um, But he is apparently a little successful something. You know, he's 
uh, biracial guy. He's 25 years old, and apparently he's doing really well. I read some stuff, but I, I'd rather not read the stats. I really don't care about that part. Um, so, what caught my attention was the headline that um, it says something like. I didn't know I was black until I was called the N-word. I'm like, what? So, (laughs) I was immediately ready to to read the story. I didn't like, and I didn't even know who he was, but I was just like, oh no, I, I gotta read this. So, apparently, Kane Brown grew up in Georgia, and his mother is white. His father is part Cherokee and part black. His father was not in his life. No shocker there. Black man with a father not in his life. And uh, he said he did not realize he wasn't all white until he was like seven or eight years old. So that was a bit alarming to me uh, Because I'm like How do you not know your own race Until you're a a certain age I don't know that's just odd to me So I started reading the story more And He basically said that It just He was around a bunch of white kids He grew up in an environment with white kids And he didn't know he was black or of color until he started being called the N-word. So immediately when I read the story, I laughed at the fact that I'm just like, okay, did you have a TV or did you, what? You didn't know that you were not white? And so that was interesting to me. Then I roll my eyes a little bit because I'm like, of course he would know that if his father was in his life. <coughs> but then I also was like a little upset because I was like, okay, why haven't your damn mother explained that to you? Like where you come from, your your background, and things like that. So the whole story was just kind of like, really? Um, and then Fox News tried to turn and spin the story all around. And it was just like, you know, but he's bringing diversity into the country music realm and blah, 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 blah. But I'm like, yeah, I guess with the person who didn't even know he was, you know, part of a diverse, you know, world until he was eight. So, I, I don't know. That was just really strange to me. And so, it got me thinking about race and being black in white spaces and what that experience is. And I have a lot of experience with that. Um... I'm, I know for a fact I've told a few stories about me growing up in, in white spaces and being um, a black child in, in white suburbia for a period of time growing up. And um, it just made me want to talk about this this whole situation. So, I get... So, I don't know. I guess I'm still just dumbfounded about the fact that someone doesn't know their race until they're eight years old. I'm sorry. Like, that's just so bizarre to me. Like, that is very bizarre. And I think it's just more bizarre that his mother didn't, like, tell him that. And, I mean, I looked him up when I Googled him and everything. I'm like, okay. I mean, he does look mostly white. But... You can tell there's something there. He's one of those guys that, you know, when you look at people and you're like, what are you? Or what are you mixed with? He looks like that. So, like, you knew something was there. You know, he had a little swirl going on. (laughs) And, um, 
it just made me think about like wow what was that like for you growing up in a space where you didn't realize you were black and then once you did it was because people were being racist um that has to be a bit disturbing i would imagine um and so it got me thinking about as i said different circumstances like you know being black and white spaces and I grew up from uh, birth to 12 years old in a very diverse um, setting I grew up in a small town in northern Indiana and I grew up around many different types of people. I mean, seriously, it was my best and closest friends were of different nationalities. I was friends with uh, the people that are coming to my mind. My closest friends before the age of 12, I'm sorry, up until the age of 12, was my friend Leo. He was black. And my friend Jory, who was black, shout out to Jory. Check out his podcast. Take a shot to this. Um, my friend Matt, Matt was white. My friend Justin, Justin was white and Hispanic. I don't know what exactly who he was but anyway and then Brandon Diaz who obviously was Mexican <laughs> so um I just came from a diverse world I went to a school that was it was just you know a mixed bag um so I just never really had I guess that whole race thing uh until really until I moved to Indianapolis. So then I moved to Indianapolis at 12 years old, a couple of months before I turned 13 and started seventh grade here. And I, oh my God. So I moved to the suburb. I lived in the suburbs here. And I was immediately surrounded by a gang of white people. I mean, a gang of white people. And I wasn't so bothered by it because it wasn't culture shock because I I was around white people all the time. I was comfortable in white spaces. Um, But it it was a little different because it wasn't as much diversity. And People took to me well because I I happen to be a black person that does well in white spaces. Um, But what I dealt with differently here than I dealt with back in my hometown was that I, the few black kids that were in these white spaces, we didn't bond. Well, I didn't bond with them. They were always talking about me and, you know, uh, saying that, you know, asking me stuff like, you know, the title, why you talk white? Or you think you better than everybody because you talk white and that kind of thing. It was cold as wearing me out, y'all. So anyway, so we just didn't mind like that. And what got me was... Now, that was culture shock to me because I I wasn't used to not bonding with my own. So, I immediately went to who I watched with who was rocking with me. (coughs) And at the time, that was other white children. Um, (laughs) Middle school, particularly white girls. So, you know, that's when I became... Uh, friends with all of them and some white guys of course but 
I didn't really have any black friends in middle school here in Indianapolis because uh, black kids just weren't checking on me like that because they felt like I thought I was white. And I'm just being me. And then the whole Oreo term got thrown out there. And for those of you who don't know, uh, you know, an Oreo, like the cookie, you know, it's dark on the outside and the cream is white on the inside. So it's basically a black person who is visibly an African-American or a person of color. But on the inside, they quote unquote talk or quote unquote act white. Uh, So that term was thrown on me. And what's funny, that term was thrown on me by white people, non-black people, which we'll get to that in my what had happened was. But um, it was just an odd space to be in because black kids made sure they, they knew to let me know that I wasn't black enough. And then white kids accepted me but always wanted me to know, like, oh, but you're black, but, you know, you're not, like, black, black. That's a real quote, by the way. Real quote. Um, so it it was just interesting growing up in that space, and then when I got to high school, it kind of got a bit diverse again. And what's so funny now, as an adult, I don't have not one white friend. Um. And it wasn't anything that was done intentionally or, you know, anything like that. But it's just like, I don't know if this thing's changed. But it was just really funny. Um, I was thinking about that today. I was like, man, I do not have a white friend. Um, And I had a slew of them growing up. So, yeah, that's that. But, um, you know, of course I have, you know, co-workers and things that I get along with and we're friendly, but I don't have like, you know, somebody that I'm talking to on a regular basis or texting or calling and all of that. So it was, it's just really interesting thinking about that. And listen, that whole Oreo thing, it has its advantages and it has its disadvantages. You know, because obviously the disadvantages are you are kind of always in this in-between space where you feel like you don't really fit in with anyone. Um, the advantages, I will say, is that it it allows you to navigate in, in white spaces in a way that a quote-unquote normal black person or average black person can. I still have that talent, you know. I can walk in a room with white people and have conversations and we can, you know, I can make them laugh and we, uh, whatever. I, I can, I'm able to put white people at ease and make them feel comfortable. Um, whereas maybe someone who talked a little differently or acted a, a little differently couldn't. Um, so, I mean, it has its, its advantages and disadvantages. But I hate the fact that as black people, we even have to have that as a quote-unquote skill. Because white people don't have to do that. They get to be themselves all the time. You know what I mean? How many times have you <laughs> have you called somewhere, a place of business or whatever, and like, oh, look, I got to put on my white people voice, you know? You know, white people don't have to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? They get, they get to be who they are at all times. But we have to always kind of, like, turn on and off a switch. So, you know, but whatever. It, it's, it is what it is. <clears throat> But it just really got me thinking just about that whole Oreo thing. I haven't really thought, I haven't heard or said that term. And I I know at least 10 years, I've been, I've graduated high school 10 years ago. And I know, I don't know when it had to be, I have not heard that term in a long time. But it got me thinking about 
a particular story, and I want to get into that in my what had happened was. So, please stay tuned for this one. Okay, so <laughs> what had happened was, this is funny, I had not thought about this in so long, but, so as I said, so I grew up um, in a pretty diverse situation until I was 12 years old when I moved to Indianapolis, right? So when I moved to Indianapolis, I moved into a suburb, a little cute cul-de-sac or whatever, <coughs> and a subdivision, and... You know, so I went from being friends with, you know, uh, you know, people like Leonardo Victory and Jory Stewart and Don Terrius and Damone and like those type of people to literally becoming friends with Kelsey Finn and Lindsay Hole and, uh, Got so many Michelle Paulette and Monica Calhoun and um, oh my God, I know I'm missing so many girls, but there's so many names that are coming to my mind. But you know, and even when I was before I moved here, you know, I was friends with you know quite a bit of you know white girls and guys. Then you know, uh, you know the Ryan Doporowskis and Sarah Ferguson's and Sarah Krasinski. Uh, just many, many people. Um, gosh, shout out to Joe because I know that's gonna take him back with some of the names I just mentioned. <laughs> but, um, Jory and I happened to be one of my best friends. We were friends since we were 10 years old. We lived both in our hometown, Michigan City, and in Indianapolis. Um, we were two black boys who grew up kind of in white spaces and so we knew what that was like to kind of navigate white spaces and that sort of thing so anyway um so you know i i did things a bit differently you know i grew up going to bonfires and and um that sort of thing like going to big parties at you know some white girl's house at you know 13 14 and literally my my high school life was like the movie mean girls seriously like the scenes that you see of them that it was literally my life it was literally my life as a young black boy just like right in the middle of the movie Mean Girls, like, that's literally my life, <laughs> uh, and so, and I think, honestly, that's why I like that movie so much, it reminds me so much of, of my upbringing, I, I, I grew up being friends with the jock Aaron Samuels, and we all knew that girl, Regina George, and blah, 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 I literally grew up like that, um, so this made me think about this story, of this girl. Her name was Michelle Paulette. <clears throat> Michelle Paulette was like, oh my god, like she talked like this, like all the other white girls that I went to high school with and middle school. Um, but you know, I liked her. She was cool. And she one time told me, I will never forget, we were talking about something I don't even remember what. But I remember we were in like the seventh grade in an art class, and I oh I know exactly what it was now. Oh my god! So we were making things out of clay, making something out of clay, and it's kind of a twofold story. One is so irrelevant to one part of the story, so irrelevant to what I'm talking about. But I just had to tell it anyway. So we were. Uh, playing around with clay and 
I had clay on my face. I got a little clay on my face. And my art teacher at the time, who I don't remember his name, but like gave me like a total like me too moment. Um, and was like, um, you have a little clay on your face. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, let me get it off. And he was like, yeah, you don't want to get it off of that beautiful chestnut skin. And I just was a little uncomfortable by that. But anyway, once he said that, um, I, we were talking about something about being ashy and like the way the clay was on my face or something like that. And Michelle was like, and I was like, well, you know, that's different because I'm black. And Michelle was like, <laughs> that's so funny. Like, I mean, you know, you're black, but you're not like black, black. And I was just kind of like, what? Like, Michelle is shooting, like, shots fired. What do you mean? And so she went to go into this whole conversation about how, you know, like, I was in ghetto. And, you know, I didn't sag and this and that. So I wasn't, I was black, but I wasn't, like, black, black. And I remember just kind of, like, nervously laughing that off. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, Michelle, you're so funny. But you know, really being like, oh, well, damn, like, it's one thing for the black kids not to think that you're black enough, but when the white kids are saying that you're not black enough, it's like, wow, and I remember her also following up with saying, oh, I'm blacker than you, We really, really. Let me describe Michelle. Michelle Paula was literally white girl, platinum blonde hair. She wore it straight. You know, she got that good old Conair straightener out every morning. Um, Abercrombie and Fitch wearing white girl. Okay, but somehow she thought she was blacker than me. And it just, I would hear things like that throughout my years of school and would be like, wow, like, <laughs> what does that, like, what does that even mean? It also made me think about another story where I remember, and this is where this is black kids, where we were in the eighth grade in science class, we'll never forget it these like three or four black dudes who were considered like you know real black kids whatever that means were talking about a song and they could not remember they couldn't think of who the artist was and I still don't remember who we were talking about but they weren't talking to me they were talking to each other and you know when you hear people and they're like ah ah, man what is that song what is that who is that by da, 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 da. and they couldn't think of it but i knew who it was so i called out the rapper's name and literally wanted to do stop in his tracks and was like how would you know the fuck would you know and i was like uh why wouldn't i know and it made me realize like oh you you think I'm so quote-unquote white that you don't think I go home and watch 106 in Park and watch videos till my eyes bleed like the rest of y'all. Um, so it was just interesting that, you know, the perception that you have from white kids and black kids. But I definitely grew up with all of that, you know, Oreo stuff and all of that. And it really didn't bother me. But when I got grown and realized how fucked up the whole thing was it just it made me realize like damn like kids are so ass backwards and god bless them (coughs) oh forgive me y'all but anyway that is my what had happened was when we come back and if i finish choking I'm going to get into my random rants. So stay tuned.
All right, so let's get into these random rants. I'm finished choking for now. Um, this week is really not even rants. I just wanted to kind of give props to um, black excellence. I mean, we out here really doing things. Um, in the spirit of talking about, you know, black people and whatnot. <laughs> um... So I read that Ava DuVernay, yes, y'all know her, she's the genius behind uh, Queen Sugar that's on OWN, Oprah Winfrey's Network. She just signed a $100 million multi-year production and development deal uh, with Warner Brothers. And I'm like, wow, that is really huge. Um... I think I'm excited about these next years to come when it comes to Hollywood because I feel like there's so many creators now that are of color that are going to be putting out so much content. And we're finally going to be able to go back to identifying with who we see on television and, you know, different forms of, of content or whatever um i'm i'm excited to see what's gonna come out of this i have to be honest i haven't really really watched queen sugar like that it's a good show i just haven't really i never really stayed with it um but i do know she does know what she's doing and i'm excited about you know whatever comes of this deal uh, First of all Just For securing the bag For one And you know Like I said Bringing more Content That I know Will be Rich content And You know Something of substance For people of color So shout out to her um, Also shout out to Viola Davis Her and her husband Signed a deal With Amazon Studios um, With their production company uh, to do feature films. One other thing that I really like is all these different platforms to release content. Now it's not just like, oh, I can't get this pilot on television, or I can't. Now it's just so many different formats where you can watch things, and you know, it, we just have so many choices in how we view our content. So I think that's dope that. Viola Davis is going in that direction. I love me some Viola Davis. Of course, y'all know her from um, How to Get Away with Murder, but she's been, of course, in countless movies. Um, I, I think that's a, a great step in the right direction. And women are out here killing it, too. Um, you know, and I think, and also, like, even at Viola's age, I think, like, to be kind of getting this type of thing and you know, she it's not like she's 25 or 30. Um, it just showed that she, you know, keeps going and her career has legs. And also she is multifaceted. You know what I mean? I think that's important as well. So shout out to her. Um, lastly, this one's kind of short today. But lastly, I wanted to shout out, of course, our former first lady. Will forever be my first lady, Michelle Obama. You know, she released a book on November 13th called Becoming Michelle Obama. And um, it is the highest selling book of 2018. And it's only been out a few weeks. Um, She's already sold over 2 million copies of the book. It is uh, number one on the New York Best Time bestseller list or whatever it's called. And I think it's, I think she's at her second week topping that list. Um, but I'm like, man, you sold over 2 million books since the 13th of November. That's crazy. But, you know, she's out here doing her thing. Um, I just like what, what people of color are representing in pop culture right now. You know, not everything is like ratchet and you know, of course, I love my little ratchet, you know, like reality TV and things like that. But it's also great to see that on the other side of the tracks, 
there's um, just great things going on. I, I'm really looking forward to like great content from uh, Viola Davis and her husband, as well as Ava DuVernay. Um, you know, and of course, I, I love the fact that Michelle Obama has, has been able to have a successful book. You know, shout out to black women that are just out here doing it. You know, of course, because I, I will always say I'm such an advocate for black women because they are the most disrespected, disregarded, and defamed people walking this earth. And <clears throat> I, I love the direction that they are going in. And, you know, giving an example to these little, little hood rats out there. No, I'm just playing with this one. <laughs> but, you know, giving hope to little girls. Of color everywhere I think it's so dope Um Another thing I want to talk about Was a shout out to Tyra Banks Putting out Life Size 2 Um I have not watched it yet I think I'm actually gonna watch it tonight Um But it premiered on Freeform over the weekend Uh December 1st I believe That was Saturday I guilty pleasure my I loved Life Size, the first one, with Lindsay Lohan. <clears throat> so it's the movie where, you know, Tyra Banks plays a doll, an Eve doll that comes to life. Um, I know it's so goofy, but <laughs> it's such a funny movie. The first one was so funny to me. And to this day, me and a couple of my friends still do and say things from that movie. It's so crazy. Um little fun, silly thing. There's a scene in the first movie, Life Size, where Lindsay Lohan's getting ready to get hit by a, a semi-truck and Tyra Banks steps out in the middle of the street and like puts her hand in front of the, in front of her like she's get, like a crossing guard would put up a stop sign or something and the truck like comes to this halting stop or whatever to this day with my friends and I like if someone's driving in a parking lot or something we'll jump out in front of the car and put our <laughs> and put our hands up it's just if y'all seen Life Size the first one y'all know exactly what I'm talking about but anyway um that is that's a classic that is a little Disney movie classic there so I'm excited to see the second one because it's on Freeform and I watched uh, Tyra Banks do an interview and she was saying that you know it's a little more uh, it's a little more mature the jokes are mature and it's a more adult than it you know it wasn't it's not as corny Disney as the original one so I'm really excited about that um so funny Tyra still looks amazing like when I was seeing like the poster and stuff I'm like did you literally look like the same girl like from back in the day I, the movie was made almost 20 years ago I think so that's really something but um shout out to Tyra Banks I love me some Tyra um I think I just read somewhere she just signed some sort of deal too where I think she's gonna be creating some new content and things so you know, Tyra's always working, getting that money. Um, but that's all I have for my random rants. Uh, this cold is wearing me out, y'all. I gotta get off of here. But uh, <laughs> when we get back, we are uh, getting into this reading rainbow. So stay tuned. A reading rainbow. Okay, so this week's reading rainbow, I am reading black people who are always trying to seek white approval. This shit wears my soul. Like y'all don't even understand. People, black people who are always trying to, who think that the white way, quote unquote, is the right way. Um, I, I just don't understand that mentality. It just, it drives me absolutely nuts. And I'm kind of really just going to talk about a, a particular story in my life, which, uh, let you know what I'm talking about. So I'm reading my barber. I won't call his name out because he's not. Just in case it gets back to him, I don't want him to mess up on my hair, you know, because he keeps this wig tight. But my barber opened up his own uh, barbershop and hair salon 
in a uh, very popular mall in the city. Like smack in the middle of downtown. Um, yeah. So very proud of him. It's a really great place. The decor is great. The the environment is great. All of that. But he is so stuck on not wanting a black barbershop or a black salon. Okay. So, he's black. All his clients are black. He's not a uh, quote-unquote Oreo type of person. Yet, he is seeking to have a bunch of white clients. <clears throat> so, when I asked him about it, I'm like, okay, well, you know, why? And he was just like, well, you know, I just want diversity. And I'm like, okay, do you want diversity or do you want just a white shop? Because, and he couldn't answer the question. I said, well, what? If you have a successful business, what's the difference between a black dollar and a white dollar? And he was looking at me all, you know, with like a deer in headlights, like, oh, uh, I don't know. <coughs> and I'm like, I, I just don't understand that. Like, and I, I know many people like that where, you know, and you hear the phrase all the time, like, well, I'm going to just do what the white folks do. I'm a X, Y, and Z. And I'm just like, why is it that we've all we've conditioned ourselves to think that the correct way to do things is the way you see white people doing them? That is just so crazy to me. But it it has been going on since I've been alive, and you know, and probably will continue. But it, it's it's just really crazy to me. So I guess I'm just kind of like reading all the people out there who don't feel good enough until they're given that stamp of approval by a white person like get over it they still don't like you most of the time and just because someone caucasian gives you a stamp of approval doesn't mean you have a great product business idea whatever (coughs) and it doesn't make you any more successful so get your life get your life um and I'm done with it. I, I'm I'm going on. Let's we gotta go to therapy. It's time to go to the couch. So stay tuned, people. Pray my strength in the Lord. Now I'm choked to death. Kittens, it is now time to lay back, prop your feet up, look at the ceiling, let's get a little righteous. Time for a little therapy. Today, we are talking about individuality and being yourself. In these days and times, Look at me sounding all like a senior citizen. But these days, we are very obsessed. We we live in a copycat culture. Let's just call it what it is. We live in a copycat culture. And it's very much monkey see, monkey do. When one person we see is successful doing one thing or doing something a certain way, we all run and do it in the hopes of having the same sort of success or attention or whatever the case is. Um, Particularly social media, I think, has created that type of culture. I was thinking about something today when I woke up, and I don't know what made me think about it, but I was like, 
How is it that, and I'm not judging, I promise. But I was like, how does one wake up one day and decide to post some like thirst trap pictures or whatever, right? And build a following based on that. And I'm not hating because, listen, I follow, you know, more than a handful of accounts like that where literally they have 50, 60, 70,000 followers and they literally get up and go to a nine to five job like I do every day. And but their entire all their posts are, you know, the pictures of, you know, thirst trap pictures. Okay. And they're not really a model or they're not a, you know, like the whole Instagram model craze. And it's just so funny how many people are running and doing that. Or the ones that try to have like what I call like the the lifestyle pages where the best person I can use an example to kind of give you an example is like Marlo Hampton from Real Housewives of Atlanta. Where, well, there's a lot of people that have Instagram accounts where similar to that where you know you're posting you driving a nice car and having designer clothes and bags and shoes and you know going to parties and vacations and all that but it's like you look through their profile you're like what exactly do you do you don't know their profession you don't know anything about them you just see these images and people are like so brainwashed by that so one moment I'm so sorry, this is so tacky. But anyway, people are so brainwashed by that that they're, you know, falling right in line and doing the same thing. And everyone, you know, wants a brand now. And I mean, there's nothing wrong wanting a brand. Obviously, you know, I'm trying to build one myself. But I just feel like everyone is, is trying, everyone's trying to have the same brand. And I just feel like we need to really get into embracing what makes us different because that's some of the most famous people and some of the most successful people. Yes, they may have a lot of people that are clones now, but they got to where they are because they were themselves. And they worked off and and built their foundation on being themselves. So this week, I challenge you to really embrace what makes you different and quirky and and unique and all those different things. And also point that out in someone else in your life and make them feel good about it. Bring something positive to it. There's so many people who would try to downplay you or fault you for something that's different rather than uplifting you and you know showing you love and support so I challenge you to to do that to embrace your individuality embrace someone else's and the world will be so boring I know this cliche but the world will be so boring if everyone was the same but we're literally on our way to that (laughs) so Let's all work on being our most true, authentic, best versions of ourselves. That sounded real Oprah-ish. I like that. I think we're just going to close on that. So that's all I have to say in therapy today on the couch. I want to thank you guys for tuning in and dealing with this disgusting cold. Uh, I'm excited. This is episode 28. I have decided that I'm going to go on a little hiatus after 30 episodes. I'm going to take a few weeks to a month off. I have some things that are in store. I want to come back bigger and better. And I've learned so much in the last six months. And I also have so much that I want to do with this podcast and where I want to go. And so, I, in order to do that, I need to just really step back, refresh, 
and and just get everything hit the reset button so it's gonna be like a season two per se so um so we got two more episodes last episode will be december 16th and i'm probably gonna come back around that time in january with new everything new visual new this new everything and so uh with the same format 85 percent of the same format i am because i'm liking the format that um that i've been you know doing lately so i'm not totally changing up on y'all but we uh it's time to just elevate i've learned so much and learn the mistakes and and learn things that i you know could have done better and you know i'm gonna be more consistent and all of that but um just bringing out better quality i've really been enjoying this it's been a struggle for me at times um but i i'm enjoying this and i i cannot believe this is the most consistent thing i've ever done that was like something of my own i i cannot believe i've done this will be ep- 28 episodes. I have done this 28 weeks. I can't believe it. I really cannot believe it. So, um, thank y'all for riding with me in my day ones. Um, but yeah, there's going to be some really cool stuff in store, especially for my day ones. I, I really, um, I really want to look out for y'all because y'all have been really a blessing to me. So, um, yeah, I'm going to leave on that note, go blow my damn nose and take some cough syrup and take my ass to bed. So, oh, we'll eat first. You know, my big ass got to eat. Well, I'm not really big. For those of you who don't know what I look like, I'm literally only 130 pounds, but, uh, I'm fat at heart. So, uh, yeah, I love you guys for listening. And until next time, cheers.